Hey ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Ladies, welcome to another week of the No Higher Calling podcast. So much is happening right now and coming up in the next few weeks and in the upcoming months. So make sure that you are following along to get all of the news. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. I have a No Higher Calling Facebook page, Instagram at No Higher Calling underscore. Um, subscribe to my weekly email at nohiercalling.org. I've been adding some free printables. There is the most gorgeous No Higher Calling mug available in the store. And over the next couple months, we'll be adding some more stuff into that storefront as I will be putting out some resources that hopefully will be a blessing to your home. So follow me in all those different places so that you can keep up with all that is happening through No Higher Calling. But without further ado, I want to introduce you once again to the illustrious Simeon Brazel. Hello, it's been a little while. <laughs> Love of my life. It has been a little while since he's joined me. Like, a good while. Yep. But I plan to have him on more frequently. I faithfully listen to every episode. <laughs> That's because you edit every episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I hope to have him on more in the coming months. Um, just as we kind of address some different things that you guys have asked for us to address as a couple. Um, I've said it before, but there are just some things that the Lord has so intertwined our hearts that connect to home and parenting and really even to my motherhood and my marriage, that it's just great to get his input on that. But this is a really special episode. I've never done one quite like this before, but I'm really excited about it. And in honor of Valentine's week, I just thought it would be fun to do a Q&A episode. So I posted on Instagram a while back. Um, I've had in my weekly email, if you guys had any questions for us to send those in and we would try to get through as many of those as we can on a podcast episode. So we have a long list of questions. We'll see how far we get. We're going to try to be concise. I'm going to try to be concise. Um, but we just want to work through some of these. Some of them are just lighthearted you know, whatever. And then some of them are deeper questions that we've kind of studied out and prayed through. But I am so excited to have Simeon join me to answer some of these questions. The only thing that I love to talk about more than, well, obviously the Lord, but more than my kids would be Simeon. So it'll be fun. We're just going to jump in and tackle some of these questions and hope you enjoy listening to our answers. So, First question, Simeon, I'll let you start. What is our favorite thing about each other? Well, since it is a family-appropriate show, I have to say your <laughs> eyes, um, the uh, at least physically, anyway. Brittany's eyes, you probably can't tell as much in photographs, but if you are looking at her eyes in the sunlight, it looks as if there is a sunflower blooming in her eyes, and the middle is black, and then it goes out, and it's orange and then it's yellow and Already then it's green blush. oh yeah it's great <laughs> anyway um but if we want to talk about spiritual things i would say that my favorite thing is her devotion to me and to our children and uh, what the lord's given us to do so simeon i guess if i'm gonna do physically and spiritually physically i love his arms i don't know i just there's nothing like holding on to his arm i feel so safe when he wraps me up in a hug um spiritually 
I just appreciate how he is willing to follow the Lord no matter what. Um, whether he has all the answers or he has no answers, he just follows God and what he says and, um, you know, leads our family in that path. And I'm just, I'm very thankful for that. Um, okay, next question. How many kids do we want? How many kids did you promise me? Five. No. He promised me six five. when we were dating. Five. But he's backed that down to five. It's we are five. about to have fourth baby, fifth pregnancy. Um, we lost a baby uh, almost, well, a, a, it'll be a year in June. Um, but we have our rainbow baby due to arrive in May. Um, so I say, okay, we'll plan for five. And then if we just, oops, happen to have a six. Yeah, then accident, total accident. But I'm starting to lean more towards like 10 or 12. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what God does there. All right. Do we plan on staying long term in Australia? I'll let Simeon answer this one. Um, yeah, forever, if God allows it. Um, that is the plan anyway. We don't have any plans on turning back. Actually, okay, let me clarify. Maybe you're just hopping in on this podcast and you do not know, but the Lord has called us to be church planning missionaries to the greater Sydney area of Australia. And um, we've raised all the financial support. We are ready to go. We are currently in kind of a limbo situation waiting on visas, which is an absolute nightmare. Thank you, COVID. Um, but God is good and God is faithful and we are trusting his timing. Lord willing, this will be the year that we make the big move. And then, yeah, we plan to just be there as long as God has us there. And hopefully that means until we die or he comes. Um, next question. What are our love languages? What's your love language, Simeon? Um, I think it's a combination of snickerdoodle of, cookies. Well, yes, def definitely that. <laughs> um, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, I'm a I'm a physical touch kind of a person as well as um, kind of just service-oriented type stuff. Like you said, baking cookies is a good sor service-oriented <laughs> type of thing. Anything that serves your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza but goes good, too. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, any, anything that's kind of service-oriented, I suppose, is it. Yeah. Um, I definitely think my predominant one would be words of affirmation. I love words. Um, I love when he tells me that he loves me. He teases me sometimes. I'm like, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, I told you that when we got married. Well, I like to hear it like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a thousand times a day. Certified, stamped, it's on yes. a piece of paper. He wrote me a lot of poetry when we were dating and I have saved all of that. Um, but it's I awful, love words. I'm, sure. I'm a words girl. Although, you know, I, I'll, I'll really take any of the expressions of love you, you care to share. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So do you remember the moment you thought, wow, this is the one? I think they need to go back and listen to some of our <laughs> Yeah, okay, episodes. okay, yes. So let me clarify. A lot of people asked, what was our love story? How did we fall in love? If you haven't listened to episode two and three of the podcast, that's one of the very first things that we address on this podcast. Episode one is a welcome, two and three are part one and two of our love story, and then episode four, we talk about our kids and our calling to Australia. But yeah, if you haven't listened to episode two and three, go back because we really have quite the story. Um, we both have our own version. I can pinpoint the moment where I said, wow, this is not the one <laughs> who wound up being the one. I don't know if there's like a moment where I was just like, I don't know. Our souls were bound together for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you put it that way. 
Yeah, I don't um I don't know if I had a moment like that where it was like, you know, I I don't think most things in life work like a lightning bolt like that. I do think that You as, had a wow moment. Yeah, well, I don't sure. know that it was I mean, a wow, shock this factor. is the one. If they want to go back to those yeah, first go couple back episodes and, and hear that, to but, um, the very first time he saw me was a wow moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And most every time since. Aww. But the I, I think as it as with most things in life, it's a gradual pr- progression kind of thing. And once gradual progression <laughs> that happened in like three months. Well, it's still a gradual. Pro- <laughs> it was a fast gradual progression. But we the, were friends one day. We were dating the next day, and then and we were married. You know, whatever. <laughs> but as I think for me, it was kind of as I as I pursued you and was prayerfully concerned about things. I you know I laid everything out for you too, and told you you know all the reasons why you shouldn't date and marry me, and you stuck around. So you know that. Uh, and then as we continued to pursue one another, we just got more and more peace about it. Really, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't think there was like a. We had ball invested drop. so much, really, before our relationship even started in praying and seeking advice from our parents in being very um, marriage focused through the dating scene. We had never dated anybody anybody before. Go back and listen to those episodes. But I think when the Lord brought us together and we started having that attraction and those feelings, like it didn't take very long for us to just be like, okay, we're, we were meant for each other. Which transitions into the next question. How long did we date before getting engaged? So we started dating August 25th, 2011, right about three days after I told my best friend, I'm not interested in a relationship. <laughs> I'm just pursuing school, focusing on the Lord. That's just how charming I am. Yeah, and then so Simeon and I started dating. We dated. Okay, so we started dating. August of 2011. We were engaged August of 2013. So we dated for two years. And then we were engaged for almost a year. We got married in July of 2014. The only reason that we waited that long <laughs> is because we had both determined that we were going to graduate school before we got married. Had it not been for us like predetermining that that was the way we were going to do life, I don't think we would have waited because there was like a billion times where he was like, let's just elope. Come on, run away with me. That and, and his I'm parents not a huge eloped. fan of debt. His parents eloped, so we were like, they yeah, can't say anything. <laughs> I still think it's a great idea. Oh, no. I wanted my big wedding. Um, what was our wedding song? So our wedding song, I, I, we had a couple different songs like sung at our wedding. Um, but like, if you had an official wedding song, it would be Mine by David Phelps. That was kind of Simeon's song for me. And I actually walked down the aisle to that. Um, he was very staunch and we needed the traditional dum dum da dum and I was like, Oh my <laughs> word, that's terrible. I was trying like to get you to a The death march. Um so anyway, I wound up surprising him. He had no idea that I was gonna walk down to that song. So that was special. I mean that is my favorite part of the wedding anyway, when the bride walks down to the groom. But it was even more special because our song was playing and it was a surprise to him. So it was great. Okay, so then we had somebody ask the question, how to prepare for marriage? We probably could spend multiple episodes on this, but in a nutshell. Um, I wrote down you don't. <laughs> because you, by devoting yourself to Christ, he is the one that prepares you for 
marriage. If you have good parents, good role models, people that you can look up to, obviously that that's always good. Um, but you can't be the spouse that that you're supposed to be. You 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 really can't out, outside of what God can do, what Christ can do in your life. So the only real how to prepare for marriage advice I have is get as close to Him as you possibly can. Well, and our pastor talks about how much preparation goes into the wedding day with really no thought of the marriage to follow. Um, and in that thought path, what is going to make the marriage to follow be successful? And that is two individuals who have wholly given themselves to the Lord. And that happens way before the wedding day even comes. Really, my two biggest things is just be as close to Christ, be as right with Christ as is humanly possible. And I've said it before, when Christ has his rightful place in your life, everything else has its rightful place. And then I would encourage to seek godly counsel at, you know, include your parents. If Lord willing, you have godly parents that can be involved. Um, Older friends, couples that have been married for decades. You know, it's great. We loved our young friends that you know, we're in the same stage of life, but it has been so enriching to our marriage and to our home to have friends who are, you know, one, two, three decades ahead of us. Find some people that have been through some stuff. Yes. Find people that have advice to share on marriage, because like I said, you really don't know <laughs> what you're jumping into exactly. Um, so best marriage advice, I guess that kind of transitions not prepping for marriage, but actual marriage advice. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that I've had to learn to do, because you're infinitely better at doing this than I am, but just sharing what it is that God's doing in your life with your spouse. Communication. Um, not just not just ordinary communication, but communication about what God is doing in your heart personally. Not even necessarily about what you need to do with the family or what you need to do with the kids or what, you know, but what is God doing with you? And, um, you know, we, I, I feel like both of us have gotten better about that recently. Um, but just sharing not what's on your heart, but what God's doing in your heart with your spouse. I think that's a, that's a huge one. Somebody else asked tips for handling conflict, but I'm going to kind of bump that up to this question, the best marriage advice. Again, I feel like we could designate at least one podcast episode to this question itself. But one thing that we have tried to do is to work through conflict. Um, we don't have arguments often, really. I mean, goodness, we could go a whole year, but then when it happens, I mean, like there's tit for tat stuff, you know, we get aggravated or whatever. But as far as like conflict, we go long spaces in between conflicts. But when we have conflict, it tends to just kind of erupt. Um so we have been trying to grow in this over the years. A couple things in dealing with conflict. One, we do not go to bed angry at each other. That's meant we've had to stay up really late, um, you know, and work through some things. Another thing is we just determined when we got married we would never even discuss, joke, anything about divorce. That was not in the cards um, even in a moment of anger or in a moment of, like I said, even in a moment of jest, that was not even going to be something that was talked about in our home. We were in it for the long haul. Um, also, I have had to learn that Simeon processes things different than I process them. Um, 
I can, you know, spew all my volcanic ash and then be ready to hug and hold hands and, you know, make up and everything's great again. He doesn't quite work that way. He needs some space and some time to kind of let it all simmer and to, I guess, to gather yourself maybe to kind of collect. Yeah, I actually wrote the same thing down um, for this question, but just you have to know the personality of the person that you're married to um, because that was a major problem for us, especially when we first got married. Um, I shouldn't say when we first got married because it was all sunshine and roses <laughs> for six months. We but, had a moon for a long um, six months. <laughs> well, we probably had our first <laughs> argument about six months, I'd say. Um, but we had to figure that one out because, yeah, I'm, I'm not that way. I know I'll have a big explosion, but then I got to go cool off. And part of that's because I know myself and – I'll do more damage if I stick around. So I got to get out of there, cool down a bit. Get out of there, though. We, you don't leave. No. Like uh, we've, no, no, no. and there's but been I do times leave the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I tell yes. you, I need a little space. Yes. We didn't, especially in having kids, we didn't want to set the pattern that mom and dad are angry and one of them is just going to, you know, grab their bag and head out the door. We never really wanted that type of pattern of dealing. Even if it was just, I need to go drive around for 10 minutes and then come back. We didn't want that modeled. Um, so yes, he will just go to a separate room and I need to leave him alone. That has been very difficult for me because like I said, I want to immediately make it right. And I'm so sorry. And, um, and you know, he, he needs time to process through that. That's brought different struggles for me. You know, I've often felt like, well, I'm always the first one to say, I'm sorry. Or why can't you just, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, there's been times, why can't you just be as spiritual as I am and move past it quicker? Like, why do you need to? And I thought for a while he just wanted to stew in the anger. And then once we communicated, I realized, no, he's just, he's needing to sort through. He's needing to calm his spirit. He's needing to guard his tongue by working through his thoughts. Um, so that really would be my best marriage advice is just how you handle conflict. And again, I mentioned in modeling to our kids we are not perfect at this, but we try not to argue in front of them. Um, we try not to be very loud when we do argue. We don't really, not that we want to put this fake, like, oh, your parents are perfect. We never have disagreements. That That's not the case. They, I mean, they see that we're human, and there have been times where we've had to go and apologize and say, hey, mommy and daddy did not respond to each other in the right way. But if it's something that we have to work through, we don't let that be in the living room when everybody's milling about. And the time to figure out this stuff is not when you're arguing. It's before um, because, you, you know, you're hot and you're angry and your head's not clear. And, you, you know, you can't you can't determine not to do those kind of things when you're angry. So you have to figure this stuff out beforehand um, when, you know, or even maybe after an argument and you've already made up. It's OK to sit there and talk about like, hey, when we're arguing like this is something that I need to do, or this is something that you do that drives me crazy and we need to, you know, whatever, as long as everybody's got a cool head and you can talk about it, talk about it because fixing that stuff when you're not angry is the time to do it. Cause then when you are angry, you can remember, Oh, I need to leave her alone for a minute or, you know, whatever. Well, a couple things too, that time has taught me. One is that I can have things on my heart that I know are going to be potential confliction. Um, and, and I need to pray through those things. I need to invest time praying through, you know, Lord, 
impress upon my heart when is the right time to deal with this. Help me to be sensitive. Help me to be discerning. If Simeon's had a busy day, you know, if if it's just been chaos with the kids or whatever, that's probably not the best time. Um, so just trying to be discerning in my approach, uh, asking the Lord to help me to say things in the right way, not to say them in my flesh of you always or you never or, but working through some things. Um, so that's just a quick <laughs> answer to that question. Best marriage advice. We might have to revisit that in the future and definitely in the future. is It's a growing process. We're continuing to grow and learn and... Nope, we've got it all figured out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Watch out for the lightning. Um, okay, what is the best part of marriage? Um, uh, For me... It has been just watching how God has chosen to use you um, in various aspects. But also part of the joy of that is getting to be involved in that. Um, I don't know. I guess it's the side seat kind of thing. It, it, it's been fun to see that, not just, you know, I know my heart. And so when God chooses to use me, I'm blown away by the fact that he chooses to use me for anything. Um, but it, it is it is a lot of fun to also see the Lord working in the life of in the life of my spouse and the life of my kids. You know, when the light bulbs turn on with the kids, that's a lot of fun too. So um, I would say that, that that to me is the best part of being married is that you not only get to see God use somebody, but you get to be a part of it. For me, I... I just think about the whole idea that the joy is in the journey. I love doing life with Simeon. I mean, yeah, he's my husband and he's my lover and I am a romantic at heart. So I love everything that comes with that in marriage, but really foundationally, he is my best friend and it has been such a joy to have my life so closely intertwined with my best friend. And I mean, pretty much every moment of every day is linked with him now um, and has been goodness for what, 10, 11 years coming later this year. And, and so that's just been such a joy to have him by my side, me by his side and just kind of walk through life. That's brought joys. That's brought heartache and everything in between, but it's just been wonderful to go through it with you. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite coffee order? Uh, you don't like coffee. I so don't like coffee. That totally scraps you. Um, we started drinking tea, so she'll drink tea I now. like hot tea. Um, My I favorite still... is strawberry tea with a dash of milk and honey. Yeah, and honey. it's polluted tea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like cold brew. I like black coffee as strong as I can get it. I don't really care for cheap coffee. So, um, you know, I'll take it if, if it's the only thing around. But if you go to Starbucks, what do you order? Typically, I'll get anything with caramel in it. Something with caramel in it because I love caramel and coffee. It's a good combo or dark chocolate. I had never had Starbucks until the end of the summer of 2021. I don't like coffee. I don't even like the smell of coffee. That has been a point of conflict in our marriage. <laughs> um, I had to get over that, at least the smell of it. But somehow, I don't even remember how I had my first strawberry acai refresher. Oh, my goodness. I think that's Aaron. 
I don't know who it was, one of my friends or somebody, but oh, that thing is amazing. So no, I don't drink coffee, but I do love Starbucks only for one drink, and it's just the best drink in the world. Yeah, if I if, if I have to say my like favorite coffee that I've ever had, it was in Australia at this little coffee shop, and they had <laughs> they cold brew well. that was so. I mean, apparently. <laughs> it was they had this cold brew that was so incredibly strong that they they served it in like little shot glasses and um it like would blow your socks off it was so strong but it was amazing okay so last question how to handle a marriage where the man isn't the spiritual leader or the leader that you want him to be um <laughs> i i get this we've a not lot. had to personally deal with this thankfully um, and both of our dads have been, you know, I, your dad was probably not super the spiritual leader when you were little, 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 but, um, definitely has been since, but so we just, I'm not coming from personal experience here. So the only thing I have to share with you is Bible, um, which is just fine. So, uh, first pray, obviously, um, because God, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can fix that problem. It's not something you can do, and if you try to do it, you're going to make a worse mess of things. So pray. I think our um, tendency is to nag. Like if we can just give enough subtle hints that, oh, you're not doing this, or I wish you would do that, mm-hmm. that that will accomplish. Um, but, I mean, even in our marriage, there's been things that I thought maybe you needed to do differently, or I wish that you did differently. And my nagging accomplished nothing, and if it accomplished anything, it was the reversal of what I hoped to accomplish. And even if you get what it was that you were trying to get, you lose the spirit entirely of what you were Well, and especially in this desire for a spiritual leader, I don't want Simeon to be the spiritual leader of our home because he feels like I've pushed him into that spot. I want him to make that choice because of his relationship with God. And that's something that's between him and God. It's not between him and me. So if I'm bothered by that in any way, the only way I can be effective is to take it directly to the Lord and just let the Lord handle it. And when I say pray, I don't, what I don't mean is pray that your husband will take the spiritual leadership of your home. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, Pray for your husband, as in pray for his walk with Christ. Pray that he will have a real, genuine relationship with Christ. Pray that um, that the Lord will work in his heart. You know, th- those are the kind of things that are going to matter because he's not going to stand up and be a spiritual leader in their home um, until he is connected with Jesus Christ in such a way that the Holy Spirit is working in him and through him. Then, and only then, can he be the spiritual leader he needs to be. So I don't mean pray that tomorrow he's going to wake up and decide that he's going to take charge of the household. He's probably not in a spiritual condition to do it anyway. Um, so that's what I mean by pray. Second, um, a while back, man, it's been years ago, but for whatever reason this came to my mind, I, I read a, a article. It was a, psycho, a psychology study, of all things. Um, I have, Brittany knows I read all kinds of random things. <laughs> he's loaded um, with random but things. <laughs> there was a psychology study that was life, done. Though. <laughs> and what they did was they they had couples, and the couple the, the woman would approach the man and they would uh, they would tackle a task together, some random task, whatever it was. Um, the The goal was to figure out the communication tactics and what worked in getting the man to work with the spouse for the task. So 
the one group of women was told to just go in there and start doing it. And they found out that the men did not respond to that whatsoever. If the woman went in and started just doing the task, sometimes the guy would meander over there and kind of sort of try to help. And if she took control of the situation, he usually didn't really do much. The Another group they sent in, they told them to go and tell your husband um, what you want him to do and then start doing it. And they saw a little bit better response to that. But the group that they saw the best teamwork response to, they told the women to go in and let the husband know what task needed to be done, but then ask him what he thought needed, how they needed to proceed. And what they found was not only that, but they found that the women who approached their husband and grabbed their hands and palms palms up, held their husband with their palms up and his palms down, that for whatever reason, psychologically, that caused the husband to work with them. What's my point? My point is that that palms up is an act of submission, subconsciously even, that she's placing herself under his authority, even though she's the one that knows what needs to be done. She still was, she put her hands palm up and showing that she was being submissive to him. Let me take you quickly to 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 has a lot to do, some of you are already immediately thinking, it has a lot to do with marriage and divorce and different things. Um, but I think it applies here. Um, the 1 Corinthians number seven or chapter number 7, verse 12, it says, But the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. If I understand the question properly, what we're getting at here is we have a wife whose husband is not the spiritual leader in the home, but he is a believer, at least. Um, and so she is feeling like, she has to take over if things are going to be good. But this verse, the way it reads to me, is talking about an unbelieving spouse, but it would work just the same way for a believing spouse who isn't taking charge. It goes basically this way. Stay together. Do what you're supposed to do. You have two jobs. You are both a wife and you are a mother, right? If your wife, that job you got before you got the job of being a mother. So that job is supersedes the other one. You have to be a wife to your husband, even if he's not the husband you think you want or the husband that you think you need. That submission point there is, is paramount. And if you take charge and you take the lead in your home, you are subverting that authority, and he may not be taking up the authority that he needs to take up because you're pushing forward faster than he's ready. A couple things come to mind. One, we hope to do an episode in the coming months, hopefully sooner rather than later, talking about covenant love. So that is basically when you agree to marry someone, you are entering into this covenant, that threefold cord between you, God, and this person. You know, I didn't just promise Simeon that I'd, you know, love, honor, and cherish till death do us part. I'm, I promised God that I was going to love, honor, and cherish him. So there might be days where I don't feel like I love him, 
or I don't feel like he deserves my love. But because the love that we have isn't just a romantic love, isn't just an infatuation love, isn't just a friendship love, it's a covenant love. Because I love Christ, I stick it out. I persevere. And I know that maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, yeah, maybe in your marriage, but you're not in my marriage. You're not living in my marriage. If there's an abusive situation, anything like that going on, by all means, get help. Um, work through that in, in the biblical way. Don't allow yourself to be harmed by someone. Um, but, but we're talking about here in just, you know, your husband's a from the messages that I've gotten, he's a decent man. He is a Christian. He just doesn't have that fire that I wish that he had. I am passionate about having a Christian home and raising my kids and teaching my kids. And he's just kind of over there like, meh, you know, <laughs> I, I, that that's the question that we've been getting. Yeah. Let me, um, you know, let me let you in on a little secret. Um, Almost always the woman is more spiritually in tune than the man. Almost always. Now, you might say, well, why is that? Um, You know, I don't know exactly why that is, but I do know this, that men men are less relationship-driven than women are, just naturally. So that relationship with Christ is gets into that as well. Women naturally have more of a desire to have that relationship than men do. It, it, it's not a... You know, I, I don't I don't know all the reasons for that. It's just a women fact. tend to be more passionate too, just because. Well, I don't know, maybe not always, but women tend to be more emotional. Um, so while my passion and my fervor and my I've got to raise these kids for Christ may just come bubbling out of me, because I'm an emotional woman, <laughs> you know, Simeon is a lot more reserved in that area. Not that his heart does not align with mine. He does not express it quite in the way that I do. But I do think what he mentioned, you know, I was reading Genesis three sixteen. at the end of that. It says, um, so Eve sinned, God's telling them, okay, this is the consequence. But God says, and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. Now we could get into, you know, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what is, you know, in this circumstance? I don't think we're going to go there. But the overall thing that I'm trying to bring that up for is just, I do think in God saying that, it's it's letting us know, hey, women, we're going to have a natural tendency now that we want to usurp this authority that we often feel like, well, we could just do a better job leading than he could because of da-da-da-da-da. And I think it's been now generations of the women feeling like, well, the men just aren't doing the right kind of job. They're not doing an adequate job. And so we're going to step in and we're going to fill that role. But in in that, then the men have become even more well, I'm just going to step back. Why am I even going to try when she wears the pants in the family? Yeah, and this happens. I think everybody knows or at least knows of a family in which the guy goes to work every day, all day long, and then he gets home and is immediately berated by his wife for whatever reason. And and then he doesn't do well at work because he has no confidence whatsoever. And then we know of the families where the wife is at home 
serving, loving, giving to the kids all day, and then the husband comes home and sits in front of the TV all evening. Yeah. And, and so there, there is that struggle in the home. But I think just backing it all up. It comes down to are you fulfilling your role? Are you fulfilling your role? And you, as you may not like this answer, um, but the spiritual leadership in your home actually is your husband, even if he isn't a spiritual leader. Well, and you know what? The way God has designed it, he will answer. I yeah. mean, not for not for your actions, but he will answer for the spiritual look oversight of the home because that's the God that's the job that God has given to him. And you know, I, I'm just I know there's frustration that comes with this. I know there's levels of struggle and I know that like Simeon said, we're probably not the best ones to speak to this because this isn't really a something that we have had to struggle through a lot in our home and in our marriage. Um but we had a lot of people ask us to speak to this. And I I do think, in, when Simeon and I were preparing for this, we were talking through this, and, you know, I'm just asking him, you know, what does the wife do? So, okay, so does she just sit on her hands and say, all right, well, I'm not going to be the one that's going to get up on Sunday morning and make sure that the kids and I get to church, even though my husband's going to sleep in. And I don't think that's right either. As Simeon and I were talking, you know, your first priority of obedience and submission is to God. Then it is to your husband. So while I think you need to love and pray and honor and respect and submit in every way that you can to your husband, if it is in contradiction with Scripture, God supersedes. Um, but there so, is a way. There is a way in which you can do that that is not disrespectful. Yeah, you don't have to get up on Sunday morning and grumble, I'm the only one that ever gets these kids dressed. Yeah, and the truth is, you know, that, that husband never may never come around. And that would be horrible, you know. And I don't, I don't want to discourage anybody, but there, there, that is a fact. He, he may never come around. But the point is, she doesn't answer for his actions when she stands before God someday. She, she answers for hers. How did she handle things with her children? How did she respond to her husband? And and I'll leave you with this: the First Corinthians seven, a little bit further down in verse number thirty-four, Paul actually is talking about singleness, um, but he makes this comment. And I think it's interesting. It says in verse number 34, There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that which ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. So, what Paul is saying is married people actually don't have as much capacity to serve the Lord as single people, which is a really is a really strange thing to say. But he's not saying that they're not serving the Lord. He's saying that they're serving the Lord in different ways. The married woman is serving the Lord by fulfilling the earthly things that she has to do in order to properly serve her husband, properly serve her children. A married man, the same thing. A married man, he has a family to provide for. He has to work a job. Because he has to work a job, he can't be out door knocking all the time. Or, you know, it's just, it's a fact of life. He has to take care of some worldly things. Is he not serving the Lord by doing that? Of course he is. He's serving the Lord by serving his family. But it does take away from some ministry opportunity. 
Here, here's here's my point. You may feel like your husband is not a spiritual leader, not the spiritual leader that you think that he should be. However, we all have our own tasks that we have to fulfill that we will answer for. How do you deal with that? How do you encourage your husband to be the spiritual leader he needs to be? First, pray. Bring that before God. And second, as you fulfill what God has given you to do, it will naturally encourage your husband to fulfill his end. Um, that's, it's just a, it's a fact of nature. When Brittany is kind and submissive and sweet towards me, it spurs me to then treat her in the way that she wants to be to treated. Yeah. And it gives me opportunity to then, again, back to the handling conflict in the right spirit, come to you with things if I need to address. And let me just wrap up with this. While we haven't dealt with this in our marriage quite to the level that I think some people are asking, have there been times where I thought, I just wish he would do this better or be more involved here? Yeah, there have. And I'm sure he's felt the same way with me. And you are getting a glimpse into our marriage now, again, almost eight years out. And in the past two years, God has done a transformational work in our home. And so much of that, I feel like, has led to my heart and my passion that just bleeds into this podcast. But as you hear him join me on the podcast, you hear this couple, Lord willing, that is united in passion, that is united in like-mindedness and unity as we try to cultivate this home where Christ is center, as we try to have this marriage that is rooted in him. But that wasn't always, we weren't always these visionary people who were on the same page. This has come through time and really, I think the catalyst in our marriage and our home being where it is today, not that it's perfect and not that we are content to be here because I hope that the coming years brings much, much, much more growth. We have many things to work on, but it, the catalyst of all of that was individually Simeon and I getting as right as we can be with the Lord. Two years ago, just different circumstances, God got a hold of both of our hearts as individuals, and we started really investing in our intimacy with Him, and that is when I can look back and see the marked growth that you now hear on the podcast that I hope in 10 years you will hear more so as we continue to walk in that path. Yeah, Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He's not just talking about the gospel, although I think that's the primary application, but as you lift up Christ in your life, he draws you to him and he draws others to him. That doesn't mean you preach at your spouse all the time. It just means that you're living your life in such a way that constantly is lifting up Christ. Other people around will be drawn to that, especially if they have, if they have the witness of the Holy Spirit in their heart as well, and they're a Christian person. Christ is going to draw them to himself by you just simply doing what it is that you know that you're supposed to do in a sweet and submissive spirit. Well, we shared some lighthearted fun fact stuff about us. We shared some deeper things that the Lord has done in our lives personally and just some things that we hope will be an encouragement to you and to your home and to your marriage. I do pray that that is what has been accomplished through this episode. Simeon, 
thank you so much for being my man. Of course. (laughs) All right, ladies. Well, we'll join you next week on a new episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.